0: and he hits it, brilliant goal! Aaron Gunnarsson to Guilty Sigurdsson, what a turn from Guilty Sigurdsson! Johan Berg-Gudmundsson, and here's Aidegud Jansson! No, oh, can you believe it? Sigurdsson waits himself and scores spectacularly! For another team! For team! Alright, welcome to another edition of the Iceland World Cup podcast. Just me today, um, our deep-voiced friend uh, Gunnar is feeling a little under the weather, so you'll have to deal with my uppity high-pitched annoying voice uh, for today. But um, obviously we have been just coming down off the high of the... Iceland-Argentina game, uh, having Messi in his pocket, and there's been a lot of discussion about Hannes, uh, the goalkeeper, and his his great save and his man-of-the-match performance. Really uh, a hero right now in Iceland and uh, in, you know, in the world press. If we talk about that game a little bit more before we start getting into the ni- next game, which is against Nigeria on Friday, uh, which we'll be discussing and doing a preview of, but obviously everyone's still thinking about Argentina the player that really uh showed himself in that game uh, as i was mentioning is hannes the goalkeeper you know he could be possibly on the move from his team Randers in denmark uh really showed uh i mean he didn't make any like unbelievable Gea type saves but he did save messi's penalty and he was solid the whole game and saved a lot of shots caught every ball wasn't fumbling and and you know that's all you can really ask for it's been a while since iceland had a Goalkeeper of his quality, probably since Birkir Christensen 15 years ago and before then. So that's great to see that he's doing well. Another couple uh, fun things from the Argentina game. Um, Well, if we start off with the not fun thing, obviously uh, our talisman winger, right winger, uh, Johan Bergwimundsson, who plays for Burnley in the Premier League, had a great season, got injured, seems like a muscular injury, which could be, you know, some weeks out. Um, He won't be playing against Nigeria. Unless something crazy happens, he gets some horse placenta or something. But no, it's it's not going to happen. So there's a question about who will play in his place. I guess we'll get into that a little later. Some other fun trends from the Argentina game. Um, after Johan Berg did get injured, the player that replaced him was Rurik Kislason, uh, who's just kind of a now, now winger, uh, kind of pacey. We've talked about him before. He's also a fairly good-looking man. I, I find it hard to judge. I personally am more of a Birke Bjarnason fan with the blonde flowing viking hair, but, uh, you know, Rurik Kislason does kind of have the jaw of the gods thing going for him, and, and is a good-looking guy, so, you know, it just, so, basically, what happened is his followers on Instagram, like, he had 40,000 followers, now he's over half a million, he's probably at, well, let's check what he's at right now, so, so yeah, he was at 40,000, now he's at 640,000, uh, that's a bit of an increase, and, uh, th- there's two things, and most of the people following him are just South American girls that are just dying over him, which, you know, is pretty funny. Alfred was pretty happy with, uh, Rudik's new followers. He said that he's finally getting the recognition he deserves. I don't know if that's a little bit of a shot, uh, that he's getting recognition for his looks rather than his footballing ability, but, uh, I'm sure they're making a lot of fun of him in the camp. Speaking of making fun of people, uh... Iceland had uh, comedians come to the camp and uh, roast the players and, and make everyone laugh so that's that's good, uh, hopefully that puts everyone in a good mood and and I think everyone's feeling good out there uh, in Galancic by the Black Sea um, it's basically a seaside resort there's a, there's a lot of tanning going on and the Iceland team is getting really tan which is always fun to watch because they, they left out there so white and now they're just getting browner and browner every day uh, that's you know we're jealous of that but that's also funny but I guess what I take from that is how many people are watching this game it's unbelievable how big I mean World Cup obviously there's just one game on at a time so so many people are watching this game that he just became you know kind of a a, a famous guy from it uh, because of the millions of people that are watching the game and we have a good idea how many people watch the game because all sorts of records were broken not just in Iceland, but also abroad. Now, for for the for Iceland, it's the most viewed event on television in Iceland in history. Um, with about 60% of the nation tuning into the channel. Now that seems a little low to me, but it's also 99.6% of people watching TV that day watch the game. So, so I guess that tells you something. The previous record was against England when. Uh, 58.8% of the population watched the game. Now, it's 60%. Now, this seems a little low. I don't think it can be quite accurate. I don't know how they count this. Maybe you're watching it at your friend's house, so your TV's not watching it or whatever. But the point is, is this was, or the Argentina game, was the most watched uh, TV event in Icelandic history, which is great to see. Um, it also broke records in the US market, the most watched game of this World Cup, and also the most watched uh, soccer. I'll call it soccer because we're talking about America. Most watched soccer game in two years in America. That was the Iceland-Argentina game, so that's great to hear. Uh, there's obviously a lot of interest for seeing Messi, and, and we understand that, but I think a lot of people are watching for Iceland too. It's a bit of an underdog story, and we know you know, America loves underdog stories. Um, it came out that the Argentina coach Sampaoli, his plan for the game, which didn't really work too well, was to isolate Herde Bjorkvin, our left back, and really attack him. Um, I mean, you can say it worked and it didn't work. work. Uh, he did concede a penalty, but I think pretty much afterwards it's been accepted that that should not have been a penalty. At least that's what Gary Neville says. That's what Gerda Björkvin says. And if you look at the replay slowly, which the referee did not, and, you know, it's okay. He doesn't always have to utilize the VAR, but he, he didn't in this instance. You can see that the Argentina player kicks Gerda Björkvin's foot and then makes himself fly on the ground that's called a dive that's something that players do sometimes it's hard to spot for the referee i don't blame him but uh you know it didn't work and and uh when asked about this being targeted by argentina Bergman just responded that they ran into an ice wall so uh he was pretty cocky and feeling good about his performance and and i guess the teams and rightfully so now, the, the Russian TV commentator at the game for the Argentine game was not happy with Iceland and said that we have ruined football forever and hates the way we play, which is a bit harsh, especially considering the resources we have. Um, but he went on a rant after the game. Now I don't speak Russian, so I don't really know what he's saying, but he did seem pretty worked up, and he has been fired. So <laughs> um, so that's – I mean, I don't really care. I'm not watching the game in Russian, but that's, I thought that was interesting. Um, there's a lot of air – line traffic here around us in the studio today. It's a beautiful day in Iceland and apparently people are taking up their planes to go uh, enjoy the view. It's clear skies and sunny. That's something we don't hear often in Iceland. This is the first time in, I don't know, I've been in Iceland for maybe four weeks and I haven't seen the sun really, so... It is a beautiful day, so uh, maybe a lot of commotion outside. People love to enjoy the good weather when it comes to Iceland, although rare it, as it might be. Now, Messi, after the game, said that Iceland didn't really do anything. I mean, I guess I can see your argument, Messi, and, you know, Messi wasn't as disrespectful as... Disrespectful, it's not a respect issue, but, but you know what I mean. Uh, that as, as Ronaldo was after the Euros 2016, when he said Iceland have a small mentality nation... Or are a small mentality nation? Which, of course, we are. We are a tiny nation. We're like a city. It's of course we have a, I mean, somewhat small mentality. And of course, we're going to celebrate drawing against uh, Portugal at the World Cup in our first competitive game or game ever in a big tournament. I did notice that Ronaldo did go crazy, cel- or did go crazy celebrating uh, after the 3-3 draw with Spain. So maybe that's a small mentality nation by him there. Although I'm sure he just celebrated because he scored a hat trick and he was probably just happy with himself. So. <laughs> knowing how he is but uh, so Messi wasn't particularly happy Maradona wasn't happy he was but he said that Aysen deserved what they got you know um, and I think anyone neutrals watching the game would think that Iceland deserved what they got out of the Argentina game he was more angry at Sampaoli in the way that they set up and I think that's understandable as I predicted before the tournament Sampaoli might not be the right coach for this team and lastly from the Argentina game we had some fun reaction around the world Obviously uh World Cup is the biggest stage and a lot of people that we might have heard of are watching the game. Uh, Jose Mourinho is working as a sports analyst for RT Russia today. So he was obviously talking about the game and you could see that he you know he's obviously a big time coach. He's one of the biggest coaches. So he's not thinking about coaching Iceland or anything, but you, you can see there's something about he likes the way the Iceland team plays cuz you know he is first and foremost a defensive coach. That's rather than I mean he's not an attacking coach per se um although i think he is criticized often for being too defensive i don't think he's too defensive i think he just wins games but you know he he could respect the way iceland was playing uh, in their defensive approach and and hard working and compressing the space he seemed to respect that he talked about how these iceland guys uh, have been eating meat since they were children because we're so big and strong uh which (laughs) is pretty funny but obviously uh not too far from the truth, uh, mo- mostly fish, I guess. If you want to say anything that they've been eating, that's what Adarnainov talks about. He says, uh, Icelanders, when they're kids and, and supposed to be when they're older, I, I, I've stopped doing it, but um, they eat fish oil, you know, every morning with their breakfast, a spoonful of fish oil. And that's just, you know, the omega 3 and fish oil fats uh, that's healthy for you. And, and that's something that all these players did. And they eat a lot of fish and obviously a lot of meat too, a lot of lamb. So I thought that was a pretty uh, funny way of explaining it for Mourinho. But but he also said that these guys play to the to the limits of their ability, which is kind of a backhanded compliment. But you can see what he's saying. He's talking about the way that we play, the way we set up is perfect for a team like ours. And we have to play this kind of defensive, hardworking approach. And, I mean, if you're going to do it, do it well. And that's what we're doing. Um, Patrice Everest says we deserve to win the game. So that's always fun. Gary Neville said it wasn't a penalty. And uh, Marta, the, you know, MVP women's footballer from Brazil, a great footballer, said that we shouldn't be surprised that Iceland's doing this. So that's great to hear from her. And last but not least, Jeremy Clarkson, host of Top Gear, said, well, I mean, this is not a direct endorsement of Iceland, but he did say during the game, uh, does anyone hope Argentina will win this game? Which I take is an endorsement for Iceland, although we know he has some... Uh, issues with Argentina for other reasons so maybe he was just trying to throw shade on them but I always appreciate that and that at least means he's watching the game and you know from our perspective here in tiny Iceland the fact that you know all these big names around the world are talking about Iceland and watching the game and thinking about Iceland just fills us with pride in our country but uh, we're not too nationalistic here in Iceland so it's it's not really that that we're happy about it's just uh, it's just a new thing, so uh, we're enjoying it, as as I think people understand we would. Um, Pirke Bjarnason got Messi's jersey after the game, so that's nice, and, and Messi seemed humble and nice after the game. He wasn't whining and pouting, and like, for example, Ronaldo after the 2016 game, I believe he refused to give up his jersey to uh, Aron So so there you go. And uh, speaking of Aron he couldn't sleep after the Argentina game. He was so pumped and happy. I think yeah, he said he fell asleep at 4. So that's I mean you know think about how happy those guys were I mean they're first of all playing at the World Cup when you play soccer as a kid or football and you're always like okay let's play World Cupies let's let's do this you you always imagine okay I'm playing for my national team at the World Cup so I can guarantee you these players all thought that, that when they were playing as kids they were all like okay I'm going to pretend to be Iceland We're oh yeah we scored the goal in the final this is at least you know what I did when I was a kid and, and then I, all, other players do too so now that they're actually at that place and at the World Cup scoring a goal like Alfred did and, and playing against Messi and Argentina, it's just it must be surreal and they must be so happy and, and because they are literally living their dream. And I mean that goes for everyone who's playing at the World Cup for the first time but living a dream that n- no one ever thought was possible not just to get into the national team from their perspective but also for the Icelandic national team to go to this tournament. So they are probably thrilled and in good spirits, and hopefully they can continue that into the Nigeria game without complacency, and we'll be talking about that now. Now, the players are saying the right things. They're obviously experienced in now tournament football and also big games and games one after another. They're saying the right things. They're saying we need to put our feet on the ground. We need to get our heads right. This is a new game. We can't be you know feeling whatever emotions we felt after the Argentina game. This is a new challenge. So they're saying the right things, but it's often easier to say that than actually to do it. In my experience, you know, following the national team, it's often the big games that Iceland performs well in and gets maybe draws and wins against big teams because they really raise their level. They're super pumped. It's sometimes against teams where they might be even expected to be the better team in the game. No, I, I don't know. I think Nigeria, and if we look at their lineup, which we will do, they do have a strong team. So I don't think we can expect them to be. I mean, they have better players in the whole of the, the team. They have players playing for bigger teams and bigger leagues. So they have better players technically. It doesn't mean they're a better team. doesn't mean that they're even better players. But they have bigger players, bigger names, I should say. So Iceland shouldn't be going into this as favorites or anything like that. And hopefully that's not what the players will be thinking. But the game will play out differently. Iceland's going to have more of the ball than they did against Argentina. They had 25% of the possession in that game. Now Nigeria will probably be sitting off more and allowing Iceland to have possession with the ball, which obviously from an Iceland perspective you love to see. You want your team to have the ball because it's stressful when they don't because that usually means they're defending. And Iceland has some great midfielders and they can hold the ball well and do beautiful triangles and, you know, Gilvi can do amazing things on the football pitch. So I'm excited to see that. I'm obviously excited for the game. But I hope that we can be ready to have more of the ball and create some attacking prospects. Now there's thoughts about are we going to continue with the lineup. I mean, obviously not completely continue with the lineup because of our injury to Joaberg. But are we going to continue with our five-man midfielder or are we going to go four-four-two. It's possible we go 4-4-2. Four, 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 Although if that means putting Pjart Bergman in there, I'm not too confident. I hope we st- stay with the 4-2-3-1, which uh, we might do. But you know what? Considering what Heimir said to me before they went out, that he wants to have two formations. And he said, for example, against Croatia, I would be playing a five-man field because they have a strong midfield and we need to combat that, which I now realize was kind of a hidden metaphor for he didn't want to say he's also going to do that against Argentina, but he did do that. But that also suggests that maybe he wants to go two up front against Nigeria, not that they have a weak midfield or anything, but I think they possibly have a weak defense, so putting two strikers up against that might give us a better chance. So we'll see what formation Hamid goes with. He's normally more of a conservative uh, coach, in my opinion, so uh, that might affect his lineup. I mean, obviously, Einstein knows a lot about the Nigeria game, but you can say that we spent three or four months preparing for the Argentina game, and now we're spending maybe a week preparing for the Nigeria game. That's definitely... I mean, not only the Icelandic nation has been thinking about the the Argentina game, but also the team coaches and players, although, of course, they they prepare well, and and we're not necessarily worried about that. But there are more unknowns about this Nigeria team than there are about the Argentina team. I think we can all accept that. Now, with our injury concern, the lineup against uh, Nigeria is a little bit more unknown than maybe against Argentina, but I will tell you it will be pretty much the same lineup. I think we're going to go with a five-man midfield because I don't think you can take Emil, who was my MVP of the Argentina game, out of the uh, out of the uh, lineup. So I think he will play, thus it'll be a, a five-man midfield. The question is who comes in for Johan Berg? Now, you would think that our newest Instagram celebrity, Rudy on the beautiful man that he is, would come in to play, but that's not a guarantee. I think that's maybe the more obvious option, but... I think it could be that he goes for Adifris Kulason, who, remember, has been our left back for five or six years, is technically a left winger, and he would come in on the right wing. Uh, Heimir has been using inverted wingers on both sides uh, since, he, you know, forever. So maybe he wants to continue that trend, have a left-footed guy on the right side, just like Johan Berg is, and see how that works. I think Rudik would be deservedly uh, disappointed if that were to happen, because he's a winger, he's a right winger, and that's the position. Um, so I'm actually going to say it's probably more likely that Rudik will start, but but who knows, uh, especially because he's more attacking than Adafir Skoloson, who is, you know, he's a defensive player. He's a defender now. Um, so if you play him, I understand if that would be against Argentina or something, but against Nigeria, where we're expected to create chances and have, Maybe not more of the ball, but more of the ball than we did against Argentina. You'll probably see him coming in. Um, one of the weak spots of the Nigeria team that we saw against Croatia is set-pieces. Um Arnos our, on our center back has been talking about how he wants to utilize the set-pieces more, the long throw, the balls in the box. We obviously have a huge, strong team, you know, players. So they'll probably want to utilize that, and we might see some set-piece goals, or that's at least going to be the goal. Um, if we just quickly check out the Nigeria team they seem to be going with a five man field now this is i'm basing this on the Croatia game where they did not play well and they got pretty much rolled over even though it was only 2-0 Croatia didn't have to you know go out of second gear so i think we'll probably be seeing some changes to the Nigeria team but then again their big players are going to play and they do have big players so if you look at their defense it's not something that you would necessarily recognize the back four that they went with against Croatia would be Idowu Balogun, William McCong, who we've heard of, and Shelley at right back. I don't know any of these players of Manis. Uh, you know, uh, the goalkeeper we've heard of in Francis Uzo Uzoho, um, who is you know this 19-year-old kid, you know, kid professional from La Liga, uh, the youngest goalkeeper I think in the tournament. And um, the goalkeeping position has obviously been an issue for Nigeria. Their main goalkeeper uh, was diagnosed with leukemia, very unfortunate, and is battling that. Um, The Iceland team sent well wishes and sent a picture of them holding an Iceland jersey with his name on it, and they all took a picture together, and I think that was kind of a a nice gesture by the team to uh, send their support. Now, if we check out Nigeria's midfield, that's where we start to recognize some players. Uh, Wilfred Ndidi, obviously a good player Ndidi. That was terrible, I'm sure that's... Been said many times. I don't know what's wrong with me, but he's obviously uh, the Leicester player and uh, a, a very good, kind of defensive ish uh, central midfielder. Uh, they have uh, obviously John Obi Mikel or, or Mikel Obi. He's kind of against Croatia was pushed into that number 10 position. I don't know if that's his best position, and there's a lot of people saying that maybe dropping him from that position. And then kind of a front three of obviously well known player Victor Moses, uh, Alex Iwobi, and uh, Odeon Igalo. All from the Premier League that's a strong front three that's a fast front three and you know that's not gonna be easy to, do, to contend with although I think the players showed against Argentina that if they're not complacent they can definitely uh, do that. but yeah so you see their starting lineup is is full of big players Premier League players so we cannot underestimate uh, their ability and, and their quality even though they didn't play well in the first game. They'll also be extra motivated um, because the federation has hired or raised their uh, winning bonus. So they're supposed to get $10,000 if they would win a match at the World Cup. So that's how it was against Croatia. Apparently that wasn't enough to motivate them. Uh, I don't know if that kind of thing motivates players that much, but... They've raised it to $15,000 before the Iceland game, so maybe the players are thinking, okay, now we're going to raise and get that fifteen grand that we really want. Plus, if they lose, they're probably out of the tournament, so it's not like they're not going to be motivated. This will be a difficult game, especially also because, as I said, the Iceland team won't be as motivated as it always is. It, they'll be motivated for sure, and they'll want to win, and they'll give it all, but sometimes they can get not complacent, but just not as completely crazy motivated as they are against the biggest teams. And it also is a factor that the way the big teams play, that just means, okay, Aston, your only job is to defend. You just sit back in that bank of eight or nine, you compress the space, you defend, you try to get some chances on the counter and, and, and have quality up front. That's at least they know how to play against big teams. When it's a middle team like Nigeria, the game is completely different. It's a much more open game. You have to go forward, you have to have possession. So that can also affect the way the Iceland team plays and maybe not suit them the best. Um, yeah, so we're obviously very excited for the game. I'm excited to see those beautiful Nigeria kits. I think it's going to be a beautiful game. It's going to be on a Friday. Uh, you know, I'm super pumped and I hope we can score some goals and, and show the world maybe yeah that we can actually do some pretty, you know, attractive attacking football when we need to or when we are allowed to, I guess I should say. So obviously everyone's very excited. Now the first game was on Saturday, now it's on Friday. That's a very long break. Uh, We've obviously been waiting for the next game for all these days. Everyone's just in as much of a World Cup mood as you could be, so everyone's super pumped. And even though I'm a little trepidatious about what could happen in this game, we we don't have a guaranteed victory here. We don't have a guaranteed anything. And we could very well lose this game if something goes wrong, And, and you never know. So uh, we'll hope for the best, but we'll also hope that we just destroy Nigeria. It's going to be in Volgograd, where England played against Tunisia the other night. So it's going to be hot, they're, they're, which does not suit Iceland. I mean, obviously, we're from a cold-ass country, you can imagine. And uh, it does get warmer in Nigeria, so they're maybe uh, more used to the, the, the hotter weather that might suit them. Although I don't think weather should be an excuse ever for any team because both teams are playing in the same conditions um some annoying thing is also there's a lot of mosquitoes and flies there i know harry kane was playing there and he said that he swallowed three and swatted like 10 flies so during the game so that's gonna be something we have to deal with but that's probably fine as well uh the volgograd stadium i think it's newly done up it's what team plays there fc rotor volgograd their second division team, they average 4,000 attendance. It's a 45,000-seater stadium, so the atmosphere after the World Cup might not be as great there. So if we're going to go, this is the time to do it. Um, It's going to be a beautiful game. Also playing an African team, uh, I don't know when last time we did that. Well, I mean, we played against Ghana, so, but in a, uh, in a competitive match, I don't think we've ever done that. So that's going to be fun to see, kind of really contrasting these African people against probably the whitest people you could imagine, uh, North Atlantic, Icelandic people. So that's going to be funny to see and uh, it's going to be a great battle and uh, we're super excited. So we'll talk to you again after the game, hopefully right after, uh, if we're in a good mood, maybe a little later if we're feeling down. But uh, until next time, we'll see you then. And he hits it! Brilliant goal! Aaron Gunnison to guilty Sigurdsson. What a turn from guilty Sigurdsson! Johan Berg-Gudmundsson and here's Ida Janssen! Oh, can you believe it? <laughs> Sigurdsson wins himself and scores spectacularly! For another team! For team! And